Please be seated. About four years ago, I was in a New Testament class on Maundy Thursday, and my professor confessed that when she grew up, she never knew what Maundy was supposed to be, and just assumed that it had something to do with being really sad. And I was really relieved when she told that story, because that's exactly what I always thought. And even though I found out what it meant, I would still always revert back to thinking, oh, it's something about being sad. It's really only been in the past couple years that I finally have started getting it. So let me clear it up for you in case you don't know or you're like me and you just perpetually forget. Mondi is an anglicized version of the Latin word mandatum, like mandate, which is the Latin word for commandment. And what we're celebrating on Maundy Thursday is the moment in the gospel when Jesus says, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. And we reenact on this night the way that Jesus showed us the kind of love that he was talking about in the ritual of foot washing. Foot washing in the ancient Near East was not a ritual act. It was a practical necessity. There were no paved roads and certainly no sidewalks, and most people wore sandals as footwear. Closed-toed shoes were very rare. So people's feet obviously got really gross. And it was a gesture of hospitality when someone entered your home to offer them a basin of water and a servant to wash their feet. We really don't have any equivalent of foot washing in our society, so it's a little difficult to relate to. But the awkwardness and discomfort that we often feel in having our feet washed or washing someone else's feet is exactly what the disciples would have felt, because that was the job of servants only. And a teacher such as Jesus would never have washed his students' feet. Never. And that's why the disciples are extremely uncomfortable, and Peter especially freaks out, as you heard. But there's even more that Jesus is getting at than just the dramatic role reversal of becoming a servant to those who call you master. Remember who is in the room. All 12 disciples are still there, including Judas. So yes, Jesus washes his feet too, even though, as John's Gospel tells us, he knows Judas will betray him. Think of that. One of his closest companions, who he's lived with, traveled with, shared meals with, worked alongside of, that is the person that betrays him. And that is the same one who Jesus kneels in front of and washes his feet, just as lovingly as he does with the other disciples. The Gospel of John, which is the only place the story of the foot washing is found, is very different from the other Gospels, as you may know. And scholars often pay particular attention to things that are similar in the other three Gospels that differ in John. And one thing that scholars have noted is that in John's gospel, there's no admonition from Jesus 
to love your enemies, as is found in Matthew and Luke, or even to love your neighbor, as is found in the Gospel of Mark. Instead, in John, Jesus says, love one another, meaning the fellow disciples, the immediate community of Jesus' followers. So some have tried to use that as a way to question or even critique Jesus' teaching about loving our enemies or our neighbors, proposing that it's possible that those teachings arose in a different early Christian community and can be questioned since they don't appear in all of the Gospels. Well, I don't know the reason why those teachings don't appear in John. I would say that it's wrong to infer from that that Jesus doesn't care about us loving our neighbors and our enemies and wants us to only love our own little tribe. I think the reason that he gives the commandment the way that he does is an acknowledgement that it's hard enough to love the people that we're close to, the people that we live with, work with, share meals with, our friends, families, colleagues. It's hard enough to love them. But Jesus commands us to do it anyway. Do it even though someone you call friend may hurt your feelings, undermine you, perhaps even betray you. This is what it means when John tells us that Jesus loved his own even to the end. Because even at the end, he loves and forgives the one who's betrayed him to death, the one who has turned from friend into enemy. It is this radical forgiveness that the act of washing each other's feet symbolizes. In John's gospel, it is this kind of sacrificial love that is what Jesus' ministry is all about. John's gospel is the only one where Jesus preaches consistently about love and even ties his crucifixion to the idea of love, saying later in chapter 17 in his final prayer to God before his arrest, I made your name known to them and I will make it known so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them. So he specifies that his mission in going to the cross is love. Maundy Thursday, far from being sad, celebrates the fact that Jesus' last teaching to his disciples, including his betrayer, was love. It's almost like there's this hope, even though Jesus knows that he will be betrayed, that maybe Judas will give in to love instead of to sin. But either way, it doesn't matter. Jesus loves him anyway. Probably my favorite theologian is Pierre Abelard, who's not super well-known except for having been half of the star-crossed lovers, Eloise and Abelard. But he took quite a bit of flack for teaching back in the 12th century that it was not necessarily the death of Jesus on the cross which saves us, but the love that Jesus showed in being willing to die for us that saves us. And furthermore, that once we understand this, we are no longer slaves to sin and to this world, but we have become friends of God. As Jesus says in John 15, I do not call you servants any longer, but I have called you friends. 
Abelard's interpretation was considered too radical for the church, and it still can ruffle feathers even today, and that's probably why I'm such a fan of his. <laughs> but Maundy Thursday seems to me to be at least the perfect moment to proclaim his and what I believe to be Jesus's extreme philosophy of love. A few years ago, I had an experience of being betrayed by someone I thought of as a friend. This betrayal not only affected our circle of friends, its consequences rippled out into the church community as a whole, and it was very damaging for many relationships. Although I didn't and still don't know why this person betrayed me, I went out of my way to reconcile with her, making sure she knew I harbored no ill will and even inviting her back into my home after that. Do you think that I did that because I'm such a kind and loving and wonderful person? And if so, have you met me? <laughs> I'm a sinner. I admit it. The only way that I was able to do those things is because I was mandated to do them by my teacher, my master, and my Lord Jesus Christ. And more than that, it's the example that he gave me and all of us to embrace even the betrayer, to serve even those that we may feel are undeserving of our service. We do it not because we've chosen to, because we decided it's a good thing. It's not up for debate. It's a commandment. But we are given the power to do that because we rehearse it week after week by saying together, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, by sharing bread and wine at the rail together with people that we disagree with, by giving the sign of peace to those who have hurt us. And we have to do it every week because we are people who perpetually forget no matter how many times we receive grace ourselves, we forget that we too are undeserving and that we're not called to judge and punish those who cause us heartbreak. We're called to love and forgive and give the rest over into God's hands. Tonight, we take refuge in these last moments with Jesus, his last supper with his disciples, which we celebrate in our Holy Eucharist every week and which we will celebrate again here tonight those last moments before the betrayal and the arrest and the abandonment and the crucifixion. We'll have time on Good Friday to remember the enormous suffering that Christ did for us, and we'll have time during the vigil and the Easter services to remember the whole history of God's salvation fully realized in the resurrection. But tonight we take time to remember the reason behind all of those events love. If by this time next year you forget what the word Mondi refers to, I hope you'll at least remember that it's nothing to do with sadness. It's something to do with love. Love at all costs and love that seeks no reward for itself. Love that is possible because we have first been loved by God and that knowledge sets us free to do as Jesus commanded and love one another. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.